Hey, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Dial Up Boys podcast with your boys, John and Owen. How you doing, John? Hi there. I'm doing, uh, I'm decent. <laughs> At least, you know, I'm doing as good as anyone I feel like is doing these days in these uncertain times <laughs> of ours. Yeah, you do have to qualify it. Like, yeah, I'm doing well, you know, relatively. I'm not homeless and I can feed myself. And you have some time to talk about movies, which is what we're here to do today. Um, we sort of came up with this idea a couple of weeks ago where we would basically assign each other homework because watching yeah. movies, at least for me, is such a challenge because my attention span is that of a second grader, apparently, and I can't just like sit down and watch a movie. You can't even blame your bad attention span on TikTok. Because, like, you don't really watch TikTok. So, like, you just... you just It's completely fried. It's easier for me just to, just to throw Frasier on and play Civ Six on my Steam Deck than it is to do anything else in the world. In fairness, Civ Six takes quite a bit of attention. No, I mean, for me, for it's... For most normal people. It just requires short bursts of attention. Like, on my turn, I'm like, okay, I need to build this here. And then the rest That's is just fair. kind of, like, zone out. And then I can, you know, look at the Frasier episode I've seen, like, 50 times and laugh because it's so good, and then get back <laughs> to my next Civ turn. So, Are you watching the new Frasier? I am watching the new Frasier. Three episodes in. General thoughts? Um, It's fine. I watched the first episode, and I had fun with it. But that's where I stopped. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fine so far. But we decided it was a good idea to get us to watch more movies, to basically assign each other a movie to watch, and then we would talk about it here. Week one pilot program, pretty successful. I would say. Yeah, we because it is the spooky season, it is that time of year where the you know, ghosts and ghoulies are running about. We decided that we would choose some some scary movies or some horror films for each other to watch. And I think that we chose um we chose two very good movies, but two I feel diametrically opposed <laughs> films stylistically. Stylistically, <laughs> yes. I think you couldn't get too much further apart than these movies um so just to you know cut away the suspense i assigned john to watch the 2020 film from brandon cronenberg called possessor and what did you have me watch i had you watch reanimator a classic from the 80s and one of my favorite horror films of all time a shocking number of people have seen this i was telling people about it like oh yeah i'm watching i'm watching reanimator and one of my coworkers today was just like, "Oh yeah, I love Reanimator," and I'm like, "Yeah, it's a classic. It's it it yeah. I, I would I would go out and say that it's a cult classic, but it's like a well known cult classic. It's it's a film that not a lot of people will openly talk about, but if you bring it up, a lot of people will be like, "Oh yeah, I saw that." So I think Possessor. I'm not a Possessor. I think Reanimator is probably where we should just kick this thing off. So I watched it yesterday afternoon. Uh, I'll just give you my summary of what of what reanimator is all about yeah hit me, hit um, me with it. so mad scientist herbert west somehow unexplained has this thing he can inject in people to reanimate the dead into what are essentially zombies but they never actually use the word zombies and then he decides to go to this medical school for again kind of unexplained reasons 
he finds a roommate named Dan, our boy Dan, who, based on what I know of the uh, the Lovecraft stories, which we can talk about a little bit, is just kind of our blank audience avatar. Herbert West likely kills his cat and then brings it back to life just to prove a point that he can do it, which then Dan is like, oh, yeah, you, you can actually do this. That's amazing. Let's try this on a real person. So they try it on a real person. Real person turns into hulking zombie and then kills Dan's future father-in-law, which then they revive him for fun because it's a fresh body. And West is like, this is the freshest body we could ever find. It's perfect. And then he turns into a monster. And then we find the real monster of the movie. I think his name was Dr. Allen something. Tall guy. Uh, uh, no, you are... Con- you are uh- the girlfriend's dad is Dean Allen Halsey. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, yes, you are talking about Dr. Carl Hill. Dr. Hill, yes. Dr. Hill. So we get our true villain of the story, Dr. Hill. There's a just a credible scene where West kills him with a shovel and chops his head off and then reanimates <laughs> his head separate from his body, which still works, which is just the best, and... His head is like controlling his body. It's kind of like a floating head doctor from Scrubs almost with his body like crashing into things and knocking shit over. And then turns out he's obsessed with Dan's fiance, Meg, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, Meg. Meg. Megan. He's obsessed with Meg. I can see why. Looks great in that movie. Barbara Crampton is fantastic in this movie. Yeah, not, not just good looking, but like actually good in the movie, which is, yeah. yeah. And so then using his newfound uh, powers of controlling all the uh, reanimated people with his fancy lobotomizing laser, he kidnaps her. And then West and Dan stage a daring rescue in a really gruesome ass scene at the end of the movie. Whoa. The whole thing, like from the start of the scene with the head and the body and the sex stuff and then all the bodies waking up at once and then the whole thing and then we have our ambiguous ending where poor meg tragically dies and then dan injects her with the serum and then our movie ends that is my pretty long-winded summary of uh reanimator you went into surprising detail in that it's summary. super fresh in my mind to, i was expecting it to be like a two minute long like Oh, yeah, no, and then there's, like, zombies, and they fight them. The end. Uh, <laughs> but, no, you you very clearly watched the movie. Reanimator, I absolutely adore this film, just because it is schlocky in all the right ways, I feel like. Like, it is, to me, that movie is the epitome of 1980s B-movie just garbage. It's It's so trashy. It's so gory. It's so campy. I love everything about this film from beginning to end because it's just it's pure fun. Like you don't watch this movie expecting some like highbrow heady exploration of like identity politics or anything like that. Like you watch this film because it's there's boobs and blood like that's, that's why you watch this movie and it's brilliant for it. Yeah, I think the. The 80s-ness of it, if you can actually, like, if I could actually quantify what 80s-ness in a movie is, is kind of like that, the the famous line from The Judge, I don't know what pornography is, but I know it when I see it. It's kind of like that with <laughs> terms of, like, what makes a film so quintessentially 80s. 
I was pretty impressed with the, you mentioned all the gore. It's a pretty gory movie. I have heard, like I did a little bit of Wikipedia-ing after watching it just to get a better feel for like the production and how they originally were making it, like the director originally wanted to make it a stage play, which would have been incredibly wild. Like I would have loved to see <laughs> a stage performance of this. That would be one of those stage plays where like the first four rows needs to be wearing a poncho because they're in a splash zone. <laughs> yeah, something like that. There's, yeah, I mean, I was pretty impressed with the actual gore effects and the movie just goes straight for it in the first like two minutes. You see that dude's like eyeballs explode out of his head fairly convincingly. Oh, yeah, the... The opening, the opening segment at uh, the original hospital that uh, Herbert West worked at, and he was doing his initial research on like his serum. That is, if you can sit through that, and if you enjoy that, you're going to like the entire rest of the movie. But if you, if you watch that and you find it hard to watch, this movie is not for you. You need to stop immediately because it's only going to get worse from there. Because uh, it, it just. This whole movie is is a crazy train from beginning to end, and there's no getting off until it's done. Yeah, the it was it's a pretty short movie. Like I think if you get rid of the credits on either side, it's only about like eighty five minutes ish. Your powers of uh, estimating are pretty strong because its <laughs> actual runtime is eighty six. Eighty six minutes. minutes. Yeah, it's it's a quick watch, which I. You know, we were talking about my Swiss cheese attention span <laughs> like that. That also helped. But the pace is just like it's like very breakneck pace. Like you start off. Yeah. The first two minutes, dudes, eyeballs explode. And then you just establish like we're establishing that this is a medical school and we're establishing this is the dean and this is the head doctor and this is Dan and this is Meg. And then, bam, this guy we saw responsible for exploding eyeballs is into the mix now yeah it's it's literally like two minutes there's no setup before it he's just in it yeah and the character of herbert west was definitely my favorite part of the movie one thing i think he's everybody's favorite part like the what wasn't the actor's name again jeffrey combs jeffrey combs jeffrey combs was pitch perfect as herbert west and one of the things i found so fascinating watching the movie he was like the protagonist of the movie, even though like it's it should be like Dan because Dan is like kind of the audience avatar, but he doesn't really have a character <laughs> to me. No, yeah, Dan Dan <laughs> is presented as the protagonist for like the first maybe half an hour of the movie, but then it pretty quickly switches to to Herbert and just kind of runs with him, and we're we're sort of supposed to be kind of on his side for it. Um, and Dan kind of just takes a backseat as almost like the bumbling friend. Yeah, it was an interesting dynamic because, you know, he's obviously incredibly amoral. He's super chill with murder and desecrating these bodies and is a megalomaniac and wants to be the famous guy who, like, conquered death or whatever. So there's not really anything, like, redeeming about his character but I found him like his performance so charming and effective. I was like, "Yeah, you you fucking get him, Herbert. You you kill that dude with that <laughs> shovel. You get him." <laughs> and then his choice to <laughs> inject. His... So we got to we got to talk about this part because this is my favorite part of the movie. Like I was enjoying Probably, it I, for the I first. Think it's everybody's favorite part of the movie. <laughs> I was definitely enjoying it. I think this happens around the like forty forty five minute mark when Doctor Hill 
goes to the his like basement lab to because he he now knows like oh yeah his thing actually works and I'm gonna be the one to take credit for it after after Herbert West kills Doctor Hill and then injects the serum into his body and his head separately and then you have the revived Doctor Hill head and him like putting it in the bin and like trying to get it to stand up straight was so funny. You know, I, I think the movie was like funny and it's like, and it's a like campy way up until that point. But then I was just like literally laughing hysterically in that, in that particular scene. Yeah. Yeah. Up and up until then, there wasn't really a moment of like pure comedy, like, like a moment that was like very clearly just played for laughs. But then, yeah, that moment where he's sitting there and he's struggling to get the head to sit right. Which I'm fairly certain was not planned. It was literally just Combs struggling to have the prop sit right. Um, but it's just, it's such a memorable moment. And it is probably, as I said, it's probably everyone's favorite moment because it's probably the bit that everyone remembers from the movie. Because it's such an absurd, it's an absurd situation that I feel like a lot of us could see ourselves doing. Like, if I had just decapitated somebody and I was trying to set their head into this tray, the head isn't going to sit right the first time I put it down. That's not how reality works. Like, we've all we've all had those situations where we've tried to, like, do something and it hasn't, like, quite been right. And so we got to kind of fudge it a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but it just works so well in that movie. And it's such a such a fantastic moment. Yeah. And then, you know, and everything after that, too, like was just really well done and I think uh you know reanimated Dr. Hill with his with his body separated from his head and oh my god the fucking when he has like the like prop like model head on his body with his head in the bag going into the morgue <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and then the, sec- the the security guard at the at the morgue when he's like re- just looking at porn on his, at his desk and then the the fake head with the mask and the voice is coming from inside the bag and he's just like time to go on break so we can go jerk off it's like oh my god you can just tell he's just very much like they don't pay me enough to like ask questions i'm just gonna do what i gotta do uh, he says he's dr hill i'm just gonna let him through i mean recognize <laughs> now- the voice it's coming now from the go, wrong place. I'm going to go jerk off. Inside of a bag. <laughs> yeah, just the, the, all the comedy coming from his head being decapitated, like all the shots of his body, like holding his head. And actually, again, I, I was really impressed with the gore effects. Like that level of effect was like, you know, with his head in the bin was you know almost comparable to what you saw in Alien with uh, with Ian Holm when he's in his all when he gets all fucked up and you see his yeah head like when that. ashes yeah it is so good one thing that I love one like effect that sometimes flies over the heads heads of people but I which is weird because I think that it's like not subtle at all is when dr hill tries to talk after he's been decapitated there's like a gurgling underneath all of his words because like you know he's he's ahead he doesn't have lungs uh so like he's gonna be straining to speak i just think it was like a nice little detail to it like they could have just very easily just had him talk normally and it would have been as effective because you're still looking at a head 
talking on its own. But the fact that like the entire rest of the time he was, you know, it was like this really sloppy, very wet sort of sound as he spoke. It was just so good. The movie is so well made for how like low budget. Yeah, I can't imagine it had much of a budget at all. Uh, according according to Wikipedia, it had a budget of between nine hundred thousand and one point three million dollars, uh, and it pulled in a respectful two million dollars at the box office on that budget, which ain't the worst. It definitely wasn't a flop necessarily, but you know. This was what it was. And, you know, it has very much developed a cult following over the years. Uh, I myself actually found it because I was watching a documentary called uh, Nightmares in Red, White and Blue, which was talking about like American horror films and like the history of horror in American cinema. And Reanimator was brought up at one point. And I was like, hey, that looks interesting. I'll, I'll go and I'll check that out. And I did. And. I very quickly found one of my one of my true loves of this time of year. It is it is one of three films that I watch every single year uh, around Halloween. The other two being the original Halloween, obviously, because it it is my favorite slasher is Halloween, and then uh, Trick or Treat is the other one. Which I I debated making you watch Trick or Treat. Um, if you've never seen Trick or Treat, I highly recommend it. I haven't seen Trick or Treat. It's almost like a, it's 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 interesting in the way that it's structured because it uh, it's like a collection of shorter stories told over one Halloween night that vaguely intersect. Um, and the main like the main character that you see on all the posters and everything, the like pumpkin headed boy with the burlap sack over him, that's Sam, the physical embodiment of Sam Hain, uh, the you know. Halloween and it's like oh if you're not doing Halloween correctly he's gonna get you and he's gonna kill you in some very brutal ways uh it's just it's a it's a fantastic film and I highly recommend everyone watch it but you should watch reanimator first oh and if if you would you recommend reanimator to people who have not seen the movie as someone who had not seen it and had known nothing about it uh, up until yesterday, or I mean, having not seen it up until yesterday, I absolutely would. It is a fun time if you're okay with. I know some people get pretty squeamish around gore, which I get. Um, and I was complimenting the gore effects, so they look pretty realistic. Um, or if you just cannot stand in any sort of piece of media where an animal dies. Which is kind of like my yeah. my sister because he's have there, there, there's the cat that dies, but you know that's just just deal with it. It's fake. It's not a real cat. It didn't actually die. It's fine. Um, yeah, the cat's fine. I would the cat lived a very long, fruitful life. Highly recommend it. It was a really fun time. It didn't require much of me as an audience member. Just sit back and enjoy. And there's a lot of really good memorable moments. And I'm actually curious to watch the sequels now. Don't. No? <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, don't. I was actually I was actually just about to say, like, Reanimator does have two follow-ups. Bride of Reanimator that came out in 1990 and Beyond Reanimator that came out in 2003. Of the two, Bride of Reanimator is not the worst. Um, it It is a direct follow-up story-wise to reanimator so it continues the story of herbert west and dan and 
and Meg is in it and Dr. Hill is in it and that whole thing. It is a direct follow-up. Um, it is even schlockier, even lower budget. It it very much is like – it's the case of like, oh, this movie came out and it did good. Let's release a straight-to-DVD sequel or whatever. Um I don't know if it was straight to VHS. I would have to look that I up. I think it was. Based on what I read on Wikipedia after watching the movie, it was – the only one that actually had a real theatrical release was the original Reanimator. And also I f- Hilariously find Hilariously enough, it, higher budget though. Oh, higher budget. <laughs> yeah. I find it – Didn't look like it. Super fascinating too that, um, that these are based fairly closely on a bunch of H.P. Lovecraft stories. Yes, because uh, Herbert West is a reoccurring character across uh, quite a few H.P. Lovecraft stories. So, you know, it is a solid. And there's a lot of, like, small little call-outs to uh, Lovecraft in Reanimator. For instance, the uh, the, ho- the hospital school is um, Miskatonic University in Arkham, Massachusetts. That is like very much a Lovecraftian location. Uh, so there is definitely those connections there. And it does reanimator. The The story of reanimator is fairly close to a degree to the original short story. Um, the original short story, of course, being called Herbert West reanimator. Um, yeah. And so. I don't know when I think of Lovecraft stories, like, you usually think of the Cthulhu stuff. Well, yeah, and I think more, you know, I think of more highbrow sort of, sort of stories and ref- and reflections on like humanity's place in the world and the universe and all these other things. And I don't really expect schlocky comedy. Of, I would say I wouldn't necessarily call this movie a comedy per se. It is to it. I mean, I think people would describe it as like black comedy, comedy horror. Um, I think it's comedy in the way that, like, the original Evil Dead was comedy. Yeah. Not necessarily – because, like, Evil Dead 2 was very much comedy. Like, they steered into it. But Evil Dead 1 was not meant to be a comedy, but there are funny moments to it. And there are things about – usually about just, like, the quality of the production that are more humorous than they were intended to be. Um, Which is very much the case with Reanimator, I think. Yeah, it did give me lots of Evil Dead 1 and 2 vibes for sure. Um, but yeah, I would just, you know, if, if, if you just told me like, Hey, I watched this movie, it's based on some Lovecraft stuff. You know, I would expect something more genuinely horrific than what we got with reanimator. But there was some quote in the, in the Wikipedia article about it that said some person who's like more of an expert on Lovecraft stories was like, this is actually a pretty faithful adaptation. And apparently Lovecraft just like wrote those for the cash. Yeah. I mean, he did. He did quite a. He did quite a few like more pulpier sort of stuff again to pay the bills, um, which is where a lot of Herbert West shows up is in in his sort of less less deeply heady content. Um, I actually I need to go back and I need to reread uh, Lovecraft to a certain degree. Um, Although Lovecraft himself was fairly problematic, so I sometimes struggle to bring myself to do that. 
Um, but he's also been dead for like almost a hundred years. So like, I think that we can let a certain degree of it slide. Um, but, yeah, um, death of the author and all that. But to sum it up, yes, I recommend watching reanimator. Anyone who hasn't seen it, um, just, just as just to people think you're cool, I guess. Cause apparently all apparently cool people know what reanimator is. And, uh, <laughs> you'll uh, get some street cred, I guess, if you, if you've watched, if you've watched this movie. So. I don't know if it would de- necessarily generate you street cred, but it, I, I would think you're a cooler person <laughs> for having watched Reanimator. And isn't that all that matters? Uh, I, I will say that, uh, oh, and our, I feel like our friendship has not been complete these like 25 years um, or 26 years. Fuck. Uh, because you had never seen Reanimator. So. Now, Owen, I gave you a, like, campy, fun, you know, real low-energy kind of film. Just You can just sit back. You don't have to think too hard. You just sit there and you enjoy it. Meanwhile, you, you fucking piece of shit, you gave me, like, the most heady film that I've seen in the last, like, probably, like, four or five years. Like, this movie has got my brain all kinds of scrambled up, and that is the 2020 release from Brandon Cronenberg, Possessor. Oh my God, this movie! <laughs> you want to give it a uh, you want to give it a, a, a quick summary for the for for us all? Oh, fuck, I'm gonna do my best, but I'll be honest with you, I'm I'm gonna struggle here. So basically, the film follows this woman Voss. She's a uh, like corporate assassin effectively um in the movie at the start of the movie we see a woman stabbing this like lawyer dude in the neck and then uh committing suicide by cop um and we find out that that woman was actually uh being controlled by voss via this weird like brain chip technology thing they don't really explain the technology because like largely it's not the point of the movie um so i won't really touch on it too much more uh but then after that voss uh you know she calls it a day she's completed her mission she goes home and she's gonna go she's gonna go see her husband who she's like kind of estranged from uh and her son and you see her struggling to really like act like a person like a normal person uh and so she has dinner. She has some like very like passionless, lifeless sex with her husband. And then she's back at work where she's given her next assignment, which is to kill Sean Bean. Sean Bean being the like CEO of this. It's basically Amazon. Uh, it's a like data collection company effectively. Um And she is to go into the body of this guy named Colin who – is like he's this deadbeat that's dating Sean Bean's daughter uh or stepdaughter it was daughter i think um and that's that's the in that's how they're going to get in to like kill Sean Bean and so she gets into this guy's body via one of the coolest effects that i've seen in a movie in a long time which i'm sure we're going to touch upon in a moment and then uh she goes in and you find out that this guy is like He's like at one point they mentioned that he he cucks his girlfriend. Um a cuck queen is the term that is used, uh, as opposed to a cuckold. Uh but really that doesn't really play much into the movie. They just mentioned that, uh, weirdly. 
And then basically uh, there's this party at Sean Bean's house. I, I love that I don't refer to him by his character name. It's just Sean Bean. <laughs> I mean, we all love Sean Bean, so you got so you got to keep that going. It's true. It's true. Uh, they go to this party at Sean Bean's house, and he, like, gets into a fight with Sean Bean, which is, like, it, that's Voss trying to, trying to set the stage for the murder that's about to take place. Uh, because the whole idea behind these assassinations is they're making it look like somebody else did it, and so they're building up the whole, like, story of it to make it believable. Um, and so... He goes back in and he viciously attacks Sean Bean with a fire poker. And I actually watched the unrated version of this film, uh, which includes a very, very brutal shot of his eyeball getting scooped out with a uh, 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 fire poker, which is just ridiculously gross. Honestly, that's really the only difference between the, the... regular release and the unrated cut that and a whole lot more dick um there's there is some there there there's some people swinging pipe in the unrated version but anyways uh so then he he does that sean bean and then he actually shoots sean bean's daughter and kills her uh then flees the scene and it is revealed that uh sean bean lived does that play into the story not really it's just like it's revealed that he lived I feel like kind of bucking the trend of Sean Bean dying and everything that he shows up. I almost feel like it was probably a contractual thing where it's like, hey, let Sean Bean live. Um, Anyways, uh, so this Colin guy actually starts to kind of wrestle back control from Voss. And he actually goes to this girl's house and he's like, hey, I'm going to you know, stay here for a little bit because like shit's getting real. And meanwhile, him and Voss are almost like kind of struggling for control. There's a lot of sort of in his head thing where he's seeing Voss, but Voss isn't there. And then, uh, you know, Voss kind of gets into her, or sorry, uh, Colin gets into Voss's memories and like sees like sees where her her kid lives, sees that she has a kid, has a husband, all that. So Colin is like, okay. Uh, first of all, he loses control. Voss, assumedly, it's kind of kind of said that Voss kills the girl that he's staying with and this other random guy who just kind of showed up. Uh, and then they go to uh, they go to Voss's home where her husband and kid is, and the dude kills uh kills her husband and then the kid sh- like st- stabs him or kills yeah stabs him uh and then he shoots the kid and then it is revealed that the kid was being controlled by her boss who had been telling her this whole time that she needs to like kind of cut her emotional ties to be a better assassin and it's sort of implied that Voss was at the very least subconsciously in control of Colin throughout the whole, you know, killing her husband and child thing. And then the movie ends with Voss sort of accepting that she's like this emotionless sociopathic killer and credits. There's a very, that, a very thorough summary. I, th- I think we're into. I, there summaries. is so much that it, there's so much that I left out. <laughs> like, there are so many small little things that I left out. Yeah, but I think you got it very much broad strokes like that is what happens in the movie um so i first encountered this movie two halloweens ago um we were just kind of looking for 
a scary movie to watch. And here's my thing with horror movies. I am fascinated by them. You're a bitch? Yes, I am. I'm easily <laughs> scared by horror movies. And I don't watch a ton of them, is the thing. And so um, I don't know what compelled me exactly to like actually put this one on and sit and watch it. Uh, I think I just heard from some YouTuber that it was good. And it looked interesting like the trailer was like it was a really good trailer to that to this movie like if you haven't watched the trailer i think it it's not one of those misleading trailers like it's a trailer that i think gives you an idea of what it's going to be about and it's really effective and the score is really good um but yeah i watched it like two years ago and it just really stuck with me which is kind of what I want in a good horror movie is one that just kind of like you don't really ever forget it. You know, this Halloween season, a lot of my coworkers were like looking for horror movie wrecks. And I'm like, you should check out this Possessor movie, bro. It's it's crazy. It's wild. It's good. It's really good. I think it's really good. What did you what, what, what was your overall impression of the movie? I So this was actually the second time that I had ever seen it because I did watch it back in 2020. But when I watched it back in 2020 – like this is a movie that very much messes with your head. And I feel like I needed to watch it multiple times. So watching this for a second time, I feel like I picked up a lot more of it. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. It's a really, really good film. Will I choose to watch it again? I'm not entirely sure. That's fair. Um, it was just like, here's the thing. I, I struggle to call this a horror film to be completely honest with you, because like, while it is – there is definitely a, a terrifying element to it and a lot of that terrifying element is like – it's like a deep existential dread that this movie is going to like instill in you. Um, and there's a lot of stuff about like the question of like identity and you know a lot of like what does it mean to be a person and all that sort of stuff. It's It is a very – it is a very like cerebral film that is at times very hard to watch, but at other times so incredibly gripping that you can't look away. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the, the visuals in this movie. Like I feel like the visuals are so as you know, how can you like, I think this movie really uses the visual medium super well. Like, the way that they like that the 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 transition scene when she like takes over his 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 body yeah is is so crazy and is so cronenberg which i mean makes sense it is brandon cronenberg he's the son of you know uh and so in that scene you see her body like melt away and then there's like all these flashes and all this sort of stuff as she's taking over colin and then the body is rebuilt and it's his body and it's just such a cool effect that, like, I, I, like, I had to pause and actually go back and rewatch it just because I was like, that was so cool. I want to see that part again. But it's also, like, super intense because there are all these, like, flashes. And it's not – if you – if you're photosensitive, you probably shouldn't watch this movie because yeah. there's a lot of flashing and a lot of rapid – rapid cuts and things. Um, and that scene is definitely probably the worst offender of that throughout the entire thing, but it's just so cool looking. And I think that that is 
if I was to say anything about this movie, it would be that it's just really, really cool looking. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you could probably describe this as like science fiction horror movie, like not quite in the same vein as like the quintessential sci-fi horror movie, which is obviously Alien, but um, that you have sort of the vehicle of this technology that they don't really explain all that much. Um, the basic gist is that they have to like whoever they're target is for the takeover they have to like kidnap them first and then implant this thing in their brain and then they basically like wipe their memory that's kind of what i i don't know if they ever i don't remember if they actually show it in any detail that that's what they do no they don't um but i think that's kind of how it's explained and kind of how we're meant to 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 think it again i i think that the technology is almost like it's less the point of the movie and more like a vehicle to make it make any kind of sense. Like that's literally the only reason why it's there. Cause the story itself is about, you know, these sort of dueling consciousness inside of someone's head. And the technology is just there to explain it is really all it is. So you don't really need to understand how the technology works. You just need to understand that the technology exists in this universe. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually thinking about this before we st- when, I, when I was driving over to uh, the office to come record. We were talking earlier about how, you know, kind of messed up the world is and that we're lucky to be able to, you know, have a roof over our heads and feed ourselves. I was almost thinking about this movie as, you know, there's lots of ways you can interpret it. I think Brandon Cronenberg is stated as saying, like, this isn't meant to be like some kind of like a message movie, like people just get what they get out of it. You could almost interpret it as a capitalist critique because you have this woman in this very specialized job who has this family that according to her boss is holding her back. And then in order to be the most effective at her job, which is murdering people, um, she has to excise that from her life. And I was thinking about that on the way over. And I think that's a, you know, maybe not the interpretation, but it's an interpretation. Well, and there's there's definitely that element to it that is worth exploring to a certain degree. Um, so, for instance, there is one sequence where uh, Voss in Colin's body goes to his job because she has to keep up appearances that she's like normal. And he works he works at his soon to be father in law's like business and he effectively what he does is he watches like people's like webcams and like spots out things in their room and like describes them and gathers data on them and like he's seeing people in some like very private moments like for instance one of the people one of the cameras that he looks through is is a couple having sex yeah but he's not there to watch them have sex he's there to like comment on what blinds they have like and to make note of like their curtains like that it's there is certainly sort of a a capitalistic spin to the story uh certainly a commentary on capitalism in there and our current current kind of the way that the world is today um but there's also there's also just like again there's there's the whole sociopathy sort of side to it because it's we're like basically seeing Voss disconnect and sort of disassociate from being a normal human and becoming this you know 
perfected killing machine effectively yeah because you have that moment when she like finishes the job you see at the very beginning of the movie and she goes uh back to her to her family and to her home and she's like reading lines to herself before she goes in essentially to sort of like practice what it's like to be a regular person yeah she's like practicing like greetings and like oh i'm starving and like i was just like she's trying to get the tone right it is a very very well made film and honestly like i understand the praise that it gets it's just again i don't think i don't know if i'll watch it again necessarily fun fact according to according to wikipedia which is our number one source uh Reanimator made more money at the box office than Possessor did. Yeah, Possessor uh, only made less than a million dollars at the box office. Um, I mean, that is the way that the way that things go out. I will point out that Possessor is like largely a streaming film, so it's hard to necessarily say like how much money it actually made because it has been streaming for a while. Yeah, that's true. Um, and like actual physical video sales will account for that um but yeah, it's kind of funny that reanimator made more than possessor. <laughs> well, as, as we pointed out reanimator is a really good time at the movies the, this is meant to make you feel really uncomfortable yeah and i think it did that really really well and you know the, 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 this is to, to me this is, this is the kind of horror movie that i really enjoy watching Every now and then. Because there hasn't been a movie that I haven't... There hasn't been another movie. Because there's a lot of, like, really, you know, more high-end, like... I don't know high-end is the right word. But, like, you know, more highbrow, heady horror movies. You know, stuff like A24 comes out with all the time. That I've, like, considered watching. Yeah. But I'm like, uh, I don't know if I can actually, like, sit and watch this movie. Because the aforementioned... Uh, being a being a bitch thing (laughs) (laughs) this is like i i've been saying this for a while now i've I've said this to a couple of people i actually think i said it on an episode of collider dailies horror i feel like is the genre where the most experimentation with story is being done and it is where we are getting more unique ideas and more like interesting concepts than any other genre out there. And I think that largely has to do with the audience of horror films. These people who just like, who will go see a movie just because it's a horror film. Like they won't know anything else about it. They'll just get, no, this is scary. I'm going to go watch it because I enjoy scary movies. And that's what I'm here for. Uh, I went to Fantastic Fest a little while back and, you know, that's a genre film festival. So it's also like a lot of sci-fi and things of that nature. But the majority of it is horror. And the audience there, like those people were they were down to see anything like they would watch anything, even if they knew it was crap. They would sit there and watch it because they love the genre. They love the craft. They love the art. And I feel like Possessor is a great example of that. Like this is. A film that, you know, maybe, you know, I again, I argue to call it, I, I argue calling it horror. It's horror adjacent at the very least. But this is like, even if this film wasn't done as well as it, as it is, it's still at least an interesting concept. It's an interesting idea. It is something that is unique that you won't get in any other genre. Um, and it's able to do it because it is horror. And there's a certain like almost lack of expectation on horror that 
allows for a little bit more flexibility. Yeah, there does seem to be quite a bit of, you know, genre flexibility when it comes to horror. Like, you know, this is very science fiction-y, but it's also very grounded reality, but it's also horror. And then something like Reanimator is more like something more like traditional, like gothic horror. I think I, I read somewhere from a quote from one of the one of the writers or directors was like, we wanted to make a Frankenstein movie because they make all the Dracula movies or the vampire movies. And we're going to, and there's no, there's no Frankenstein movies aside from Frankenstein. So we're going to do something like that. And then you have uh haunting and ghost type horror movies, like in hereditary or something like that. And, and yeah, I, I do think with horror and also it seems like you can get a horror movie made for a lot less money, which is kind of the whole like Blumhouse business model. Yeah. And so you're able to experiment a little bit more because it doesn't have to be like such a big box office hit in order to actually get it made. I wonder how much money the Five Nights movie is going to make. I bet it's going to make a lot. It actually looks kind of good. I, I'm, I'm kind of interested to go see it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go see it. I, I actually have my ticket for tomorrow night. Um, so by the time that you hear this episode, I will have seen Five Nights at Freddy's. I've heard mixed things about it. Like I've heard that it's – like I've heard that Five Nights fans are disappointed with it, which to me – like is the biggest thing um i i could give less of a shit what a critic thinks of five nights at freddy's but if a five nights at freddy's fan doesn't really like it depends on why they don't like it i want to know what markiplier thinks of it. <laughs> i don't know what uh matt Pat matt thinks about Pat. it yeah matt pat is the number one person i want to hear an opinion on that movie from <laughs> I, I I don't know if he'll give an opinion, but he'll give a theory. I saw I saw Jack Septicai tweet about it today, and he said that he didn't like it. So I, he didn't. I didn't read any deeper into it. I didn't read his reasons or anything like that. But you know, if the if the the people who are known for playing Five Nights at Freddy's or like spooky games uh, aren't liking it, that's probably not a good sign. Yeah, it it, it it depends on why they don't like it. Like, I could see some hardcore FNAF fans like, ah, oh, the, the, they, they messed up the lore too much. Then it's true. I probably wouldn't put much stock in it. But if, you know, if someone's just I, like, I only, oh, the filmmaking is bad, then I'd be like, okay, I, I, I understand. I only have a very passing fan interest in Five Nights. Um, I enjoy MatPat's videos. Yeah, I watch all of the game theory videos about it. That's the extent of my like fandom is I've seen all like 67 or however many videos he's done about There's it. There's so <laughs> many videos that he's done about Five Nights. I can't believe he still is like still manages to I think the count is I think the count is literally around I'm 60. I'm going to type in youtube.com I'm going to type Matt in Pat game five theory and see FNAF how many playlist in order. How many videos <laughs> do you have? What? No. How many is it? Ninety-four. What? Fuck you! No. It's not. <laughs> yeah, dude. Ninety-four videos. I I want to find that thing that I can build my career off of. I mean, it does count. The Game Theory Live videos. Okay. Um, yeah, counting the Game Theory Live videos. Either way, dude, the amount of content that this guy's put out about Five Nights at Freddy's is incredible. Absolutely incredible. See, now here's the thing. He's put out he's put out Game Theory videos about Five Nights. He's I believe he just put out a film theory about it. 
So now he needs to figure out a way to do a food theory about Five Nights and a uh, and a fashion theory about Five Nights. Oh, I'm sure he can do it. If anyone can do it, it's him. He'll, he'll figure it out. Uh, fashion theory. Matt Pat, if you're listening, uh, fashion theory, just talk about uh, how feasible is the spring trap suit. Boom. Boom. There's your fashion theory. Uh, food theory, something to do with pizza. I don't know. It's a pizzeria. Figure it out. There's got to be something there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. Matt Pat, here's your free ideas. Yeah, because we know you're listening. Hit us up. Get us you wanted get on to the hear, show. You wanted to hear two jackasses talk about Reanimator and fucking Possessor. So I think I already got this based on your your uh, assessment of the movie. But if to someone who has not seen Possessor, recommend yay or nay? I would say yes, but with an asterisk. Like, I would need to know about the person's, like, film tastes. And I would need to know how open they are to something as cerebral as this. Like, as open, you know, and as, like, mind-fuckish as this movie is. Like, I would need to know how, like, because there are certain people who... They just aren't going to like this movie just because, like, it's a confusing story or what have you. This is not a movie for everyone. But if this is the kind of movie that you think that you might enjoy, by all means, watch it. Or if you are somebody who is just a fan of the craft of filmmaking, like, you love looking at, like, beautiful shots and how things are put together then you like you could just watch it and just not pay attention to the story at all and just look at the pretty pictures um and you'd have a great time with it uh so i would recommend it but again with with an asterisk i think that's fair i think it's a fair assessment base level plot just easy enough to follow that you're not going to get like completely lost you know one of the reasons i enjoyed it so much and wanted to talk about it in this uh podcast was just I remember thinking about it for a long time after I watched it. I remember when we went and saw, because we saw Hereditary in theaters together way back in the day. Yep. And I don't know if you if you were there afterwards. I think I, I went and got food with uh, my girlfriend at the time. And I just remember like talking about it nonstop. Like, oh, what about this and this scene and this scene? And like, how does it connect to this? And, da, 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 da. and I just could not shut up. I could not shut my brain off thinking about Hereditary. And I had a kind of a similar experience watching Possessor. And I love when that happens. And I'm currently experiencing that with Fall of the House of Usher that we talked about right before we started recording. like Which we need to do an episode about. We absolutely will. I am halfway through. I'm trying to get through it as quick as hopefully, I can. Hopefully it'll be our next episode. I hope so. Because I just want to talk about the Fall of the House of Usher. Like, that's literally all I want to do. I just want to, like, have a gloves-off spoiler discussion. Because I did I, I did an episode of Collider Dailies where myself and Perry Nemiroff, like, reviewed it spoiler-free. I would love to have, like, an episode where I could just sit there and just be like, oh, let's get into the nitty-gritty. Let's break it down, like, all of my favorite scenes and all my favorite references to Poe and, like, all this crazy stuff. Like, I want to do that. So I'm excited. We'll get there. That we'll get there soon. Next episode. I'll probably, I, but, oh, I'll probably bef- finish it by the end of the weekend. Before we before we wrap up this episode, though, I want to I wanna do something. And I'm springing this on you. So I'm going to go first uh, to give you a little bit of time to think about it. We, this episode was all about us getting each other to watch movies that we maybe 
didn't wouldn't have watched otherwise or that you know just to get in there and just watch some movies that we each love so let's pull out three more horror movies that we think that people should watch this spooky season uh and uh just you know give a brief little thing i will go first my first one of course is trick-or-treat I mentioned that a little bit earlier on. It is a movie that I believe that everybody who is even remotely interested in spooky stuff should sit down and watch. The second one that I'm going to bring up is actually going to be Gerald's Game. Uh, I've recently been on a Mike Flanagan kick because of uh, Fall of House of Usher. And I went back and I revisited some of his older stuff. And Gerald's Game was a movie that I feel like doesn't get very much attention. Basically, it stars uh, Carlo Gugino and Bruce Greenwood. Again, uh, Flanagan loves to reuse people. And they are a couple who are trying to rekindle their relationship. So they go out to this cabin and they're going to have wild, raunchous sex the whole time. I've heard of this Uh, movie. I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. So Carlo Gugino gets tied to the bed and then Bruce Greenwood promptly has a heart attack. (laughs) And so she's tied to this bed. Uh, Nobody knows that she's in trouble so she's like worried that she's gonna die she spent several days tied to it and she has to kind of confront her inner demons as she starts to hallucinate and like have weird weird moments it is a it is a brilliant film with brilliant performances highly recommend it um and it's it's a it's a bottle film as it were it's it's a film that takes place in like one solitary location so a great example of like low budget horror and also two fantastic actors who should probably get more more attention than they do should be bigger stars than they are uh and then my last one is going to be uh crap i shot myself in the foot because i chose three <laughs> but i only had two <laughs> you can end it in two uh you know you, you know what you should probably watch you know i it's it's not necessarily a spooky film but watch nightmares in red white and blue that documentary that i mentioned earlier on uh, it is a fantastic look at American, at the American like horror story, effectively how the the genre first started in the United States and kind of went from there. But if you also want a uh, sort of a broader look at horror and not just U.S. horror, you can also check out In Search of Darkness. It's a three part documentary series. Um, that is like so if you watch it all it's like nine hours of exploring horror throughout the 80s uh and it's it's super in-depth and super brilliant and if you love the genre you should watch it okay those are some good wrecks um so i've got two options that i like is like actual horror movies um i'm guessing if you've been listening to this to this podcast at all you've seen hereditary but if you haven't seen Hereditary, you should go watch Hereditary. I think Hereditary is great. Tony Collette in that movie is absolutely incredible. And that was one of those movies that stuck with me for a while. Uh, number two, this, I don't know if it fully qualifies as horror, but I'm using it anyway. Because it does have some horror elements and definitely some horrific imagery. And that is The Lighthouse. I adore the lighthouse that movie i believe it is so it is classified as a horror good there's a scene with willem dafoe doing a sea curse on robert pattinson and i was completely enthralled like 
I, I, I saw it in theaters and audience, you cannot see my face, but John can see my face. I was watching that scene just like mouth agape, hands on my cheeks, completely eyes wide, just going like, oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever seen. So <laughs> The Lighthouse, incredible. And then there are two other ones that I'm going to recommend. This isn't really a horror movie at all, but it would classify as a monster movie, I think. Uh, this is a movie that I've been meaning to rewatch because my partner has not seen it. And that is Tremors. If you haven't seen Tremors, go see Tremors. Tremors is amazing. Uh, it, it's another one of those that has some horror elements. It's more of a monster movie. Definitely like intentional comedy. But Tremors is a pitch perfect film legitimately good i remember seeing it as a kid thinking it was great and then i watched it again many many times over the years and it's still really really good so go see tremors and then there's another one that's like not really a horror movie but it has horror elements um because it's a vampire movie and vampire movies aren't necessarily horror always but it does have some horror elements and that is only Lovers Left Alive by Jim Jarmusch. Very slow, pensive look about basically what it means to be immortal. Has uh, Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston in it. Really, really good. Super duper slow. So if you're like, I need a lot of stuff happening in my movie, this is not your movie. Uh, if you've ever seen a Jim Jarmusch movie, then you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, those are the ones I would recommend. I actually have two recommendations that have come to mind uh, since that I highly recommend you go check out. First and foremost being a movie called Creep that came out in uh, 2014. Basically, it's a found footage film. And effectively what it is is this one videographer is hired to uh, sort of – film this guy who is dying he's recording a message to his unborn son um but things very quickly uh get a bit on the creepier side hence the title creep mm -hmm. um it is i cannot tell you anything more without spoiling the film so that is where i will leave it with that and the other one is of course talk to me which is a film that actually just released this year from a24 it is a it is a movie that i feel like does possession right because possession possession films to me are extremely hit or miss but talk to me does it really really well um Highly recommend you go check it out. It was directed by two YouTubers. Fun fact. Wow. That's uh, impressive. The, the Raka Raka guys in, uh, directed it, and they did a brilliant job with it. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, so go watch Talk to Me if you have not already. Okay. I think those are a lot of really good wrecks. Um, uh, pretty much all of yours I have not seen. Oh, and Wreck. Watch Wreck. Because <laughs> 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 you just said Wreck. I was like, watch Wreck. Like the, like the, the original one, not... Or was it? Yeah, it was Wreck, not Quarantine. Because there was the American, there was the Spanish film, and then there was the uh, American remake. Which one was which? Uh, quarantine, quarantine was the American one because I've seen Quarantine. Okay, yeah, watch Wreck. Don't watch Quarantine. Um, and in fact, watch all of the Wreck sequels too because there's like four of them and they're really good. I thought Quarantine um, was decent. Quarant quarantine is decent because it's 
almost a shot-for-shot remake of Wreck. But they change the ending, and that change ruins the movie for me. Having seen Wreck. Okay. Because the original ending is just better, in my opinion. It's, just, it's too um, bad that I really need to finish House of Usher over the weekend because I have so many things I should go watch right now. Well, you know what? Next week is the spooky week. True. So like, that's when you can, you can watch a, a scary movie every single night. You know, if you start Sunday night, you can watch a, a wreck movie every night through Halloween. Oh. So you can get through all four wreck movies. <laughs> <laughs> but no, finish the fall of the House of Usher. Yeah, first. I got it. I, I'm fully hooked it's it's like i'm looking at the time and that we're kind of wrapping up and i'm like okay if i get home now then we can watch this many episodes before we have to go to bed we can we can watch three episodes let's go yeah you should just finish it off like just binge it well get all four episodes that's the thing when 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 you're watching with someone else you're kind of uh, at their mercy trust me i will say that like it ramps up it starts off fast, dude. It's like it starts off super fast, dude. <laughs> that second episode, we're gonna get into it on a different yes. episode. <laughs> like, yeah. Anyways, uh, so yeah, we're gonna uh, call this episode good for today. Owen, where can people find you on the internet? Um, if you're looking for a new mattress, you can probably find me if you just Google mattress review. Um, other than <laughs> that, um, find me on Instagram. I guess I don't post anything. We got to get you posting on something, <laughs> whether it's like Instagram or threads or whatever. Um, I, I'm weird. I'm still on Twitter. I'm not going to call it X. Sorry, Elon, but fuck you. I'm just not going to. Um, it is Twitter because that is better branding. And you made a dumbass business decision to destroy one of the most recognizable bits of branding in the history of business. Uh so it's Twitter. I'm sorry. But you can find me on Twitter. I am at Bender Waffles, B-E-N-D-E-R-W-A-F-F-L-E-S. Uh, I am also on like threads and Instagram and all that sort of stuff. I'm trying to be better about Instagram. I've posted a few things over the last couple of months, but it's still not really a thing. You can also find me on Collider. Uh, I'm on the Collider main channel every single day making videos about random stuff that I think is cool. But I'm also on Collider Dailies a few days a week on Collider Extras. That's a live stream show that happens every day at 10 a.m. Pacific uh, where you can listen to myself or any of Collider's other fantastic hosts talking about movie news and all the stuff that you need to know. Hell yeah. So. And I, th- I, I I really like this format of the homework. I think we'll be doing it again in the not too distant future. Oh, we will one hundred percent. I'm I'm already your homework. I'm already percolating is to fall, is to, your homework this week, Owen, is to finish the fall. Of the yeah, House I'm of Usher. There's your homework. You don't have to assign that to me. I'm I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> well, the audience homework then is to watch the show because we're going to talk about it next week. Uh, so definitely check it out. Or if you don't care about watching the show and you want to hear us talk about it it will be very much spoiler filled so be ready for that okay and with that we will bring this episode to a close thank you and have a good one